you, you just can't pick people at random. I can do anything I like. I'm eccentric. Go! Wait, wait, wait. So, it's like a race? A race? He's a race! I hope I win. Um, what are the uh, rules? There's only one rule. Are you ready? Here it is. There are no rules. Go! everybody and welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with me, Bryn, and usually Jeremy, who would laugh at this point for some reason because he thinks it's <laughs> funny whenever I do this. Uh, but today it is the new year. It's 2021 for the first time on this show. Hello. Jeremy is still in uh, paternity leave because of his uh, adorable baby um, and he can't be here. So today we have with us my friend, John Paul Zygdervin. Hello. So How good to be are you on doing? the show. I'm yeah. good. You know, it's been uh it's been a weird week. We just had the whole incident at the Capitol and everything, but I <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just watched a classic movie from almost from from 21 no, exactly 20 years ago now that it's 2021. Uh and that really lifted my spirits. I got to say, I've been on this kick of rewatching movies from that era because it, I think it's just a kick I go on like every 3 or 4 years because uh-huh. I think I was like 11 or 12 around that time. And so that stuff just sticks with you for life. Sure. Oh, yeah. The, the, there's, I mean, the, you, it's funny because I feel like nostalgia for certain kinds of bands and movies was like a little bit hard to grasp when I was young. Uh-huh. Um, because like my, you know, your parents would be like, oh, I used to love this when I was a kid. And it just was like, well, who cares? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what, what can I even be nostalgic for? Like before I'm like, 16 maybe like before that like the only thing far enough back to be nostalgic for is like before you were born Mm -hmm. (laughs) the sweet void of pre-birth like (laughs) i miss it so um but now that'd be a creepy 15 year old (laughs) there's a weird sense as i get older that i'm like oh wow this is like a different time a different everything like a different culture Uh, what movie did you watch you mean this one? Oh, I mean this about? one, yeah, because Rat Race, because I just watched it this morning. But yeah. I also have I rewatched Mystery Men, and oh, did there, you? <laughs> yeah, and there's another one on my list. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of it right now. But it's all these. It's it's just all these comedies from that little moment at or around the turn of the millennium when culturally just like nobody knew what was happening. So everybody was just <laughs> throwing shit at a wall and hoping it stuck. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. It's so interesting the way it coalesced into like an actual aesthetic because I remember at the time there was a feeling that like eventually like everyone was trying to look like futuristic for the for the new millennium and we were like figuring it out and like eventually it would start to look like a a cohesive thing and then it just felt like it never really did until we look back on it and then it's like oh yeah no our orange cargo pants and like you know (laughs) and uh 
you know, big Nike uh, Air Maxes is as absolutely the aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny. It's like uh, there was this huge like the, the height of like streamlined American culture was the 80s. Right. That was like the right. explosion. Yeah. And then in the 90s, you had this like weird turnaround where it was like suddenly counterculture was cool, but then also mainstream, which caused a lot of problems. And that like imploded on itself really fast because you can't exist Uh in a space of like pure cultural negativity for very long. It's very unstable. And then like Jamiroquai released Virtual Insanity (laughs) on VH1 and we everybody was just like, this is how it's going to be for 13 straight years. Yeah, this is it. That's the whole (laughs) that's the whole future. Yeah. So I really got to credit Jamiroquai with, you know, (laughs) bringing about the new modernism, I think is a good way to think about it. Yeah, it is virtual insanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I was very struck by and and it's funny you bring up Mystery Men because that movie, if I recall, really, really also kind of has that sense um that's yeah, another well, movie that features smash mouth all yeah it's the touch of smash mouth right like smash mouth <laughs> themselves as this incredibly anachronistic musical outfit who are like well we're not sure if we're a boy band or a, like a serious pop group or like a lounge band for some right. reason that was also kind of <laughs> in there and they were like insanely successful and that has always kind of bugged me not least of all because <laughs> when i was a kid I loved Smash Mouth. Like I was caught up in it to the point where I think when oh, I was really? like, yeah, like, like right when All-Star came out, like I might've been like nine years old or something thereabouts. I remember asking my like probably 76 year old at that point, grandmother, like, will you get me a Smash Mouth CD? And she was like, would you say that again, but more slowly? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Smash Mouth CD. And she was like, Smash Mouth CD. Smash and I was like, Mouth. <laughs> That's like the most profound moment of like cultural disconnect I have growing up is like <laughs> trying to make a, somebody from the silent generation understand what Smash Mouth is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did she get it to for you? She bought it for me. Yes, I received it for I th- either Christmas or my birthday, whichever one was coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I feel like Smash Mouth was a little bit. I I mean I might have just been a little bit too old or like too snobby and pretentious Mm -hmm. by that point where it's like, I'm not going to lie and say I didn't like all star. Like everyone liked that song, but I wasn't like, Oh wow. This band is really like blowing my mind. It was sort of like another, I will fight anybody who says that walking on the sun, the best version was not smash mouth's (laughs) version. Like that's just insane. Uh. (laughs) Who did that song originally? I have no idea. It might not even be a cover, but you have to imagine it is because it's such a slick 70s style like funk pop song. I just can't believe Smash Mouth wrote it. I, have to I don't think they now. did. Oh, wow. It's a song act- by Smash Mouth. Oh, my God. I know. It, it seems wrong, right? Like it seems like it, yeah. well, it seems like it should be like, why can't we be friends? Right? Because they did a version of that and they didn't write that. Right. And they also did... Um the monkeys song then i saw her face now i'm a believer oh yeah for shrunk yeah that was good stuff that's the thing they were like on top of the world for a minute (laughs) like smash mouth's supremacy as a media institution lasted as long as the entire category of grunge that's something to think about wow because because fucking true (laughs) well you think about it like uh mystery men came out in 99 so they were putting all-star in movies in 99 
And then we watched Rat Race for this episode of the show, and that didn't come out till 2001. Right. Only only about three weeks before 9-11, mind you. <laughs> uh, That's what's so funny about this. <laughs> I know. And I, I was actually looking because I, I Googled it and I was like, are there any 9-11 related rat race controversies? And there was one. There was an argument in the Wikipedia edit log about mm-hmm. whether or not uh, certain theaters screened versions of rat race that did not include the people running down the elevator and falling into a pile as they're or, or running down the stairwell and like oh, falling yeah. into a pile together because like panicked running down the stairwell that would look bad too but then triggering the yeah, too triggering right but then i watched the movie and i was like they disable a fucking air traffic radar in this oh, like yeah. how is that not way more <laughs> on the nose <laughs> and it shuts down the whole airport yeah like everybody like all the flights get canceled and they the sensors looked at that and they were just like no oh, that seems fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well before we get into rat race yeah, uh, yeah. D- officially what did you watch this week that wasn't this movie what did i watch this week uh i've mostly just been keeping up with uh my fiance and i's addiction to bones which is like the worst show in the world. It's so bad, (laughs) but it's so good. Like the main character, she's condescending. She's like a caricature of like genius brain autism, which is kind of like weird and bad, but then also like she's really humanized and, and like, you know, her husband's like the all American boy FBI. Well, I shouldn't spoil it because you don't realize that they're going to get married until like a long time into the series, even though it's like obvious the whole time. Like, I don't know how to explain it. The writing it's is so... they won't they? Yeah. yeah it, and it's so obvious, like the entire time <laughs> that they're... Because they're, they're like partnered up in the first episode. But it's like, especially in the most recent season, I think we're in the last season before it got canceled. And they have turned the pseudoscience up to 11. Like there was actually an episode with truth serum in it. They were like, sodium oh. pentothal? he's going to inject himself with sodium pentothal. So we'll have to believe everything he says. And I'm like, that's not how any of this fucking works. <laughs> like, this is a show that like, it has informed me through its characters about so many little bits of science that I looked up and I was like, Oh wow, that's true. That's very interesting. And then really? they have to bring like just the worst shit into it. Yeah. Like, especially when Dr. Hodgins, he's like the particulate scientist on that. He doesn't work with the bones directly. But he'll he'll always be like, this specific species of tree only grows in New Zealand. And I'm like, I have to look that up. And I do. And it's always true. And then there's weird that they would do so much research because it's okay. But wait, you have to fill me in a little bit. What is the why is it called Bones? It's called Bones because the main character is Dr. Temperance Brennan. She's like the world's leading. Literally, they she never stops reminding you of it. The world's leading forensic anthropologist. Okay, and she (laughs) works for the Jeffersonian, which is like the Smithsonian. Get it? Heyo. And uh, then the FBI contracts them to work on cases. So the the basic premises of the show is like reveal murder in the very first scene uh body eventually gets found either they go to the site or the bones are delivered to the lab then they strip the bones of all the tissue after this one doctor does the tissue analysis and the toxicology report and then they hem and haw over like vertebral breaks and like you know contusion (laughs) fractures and the hyoid bone is broken they say hyoid so much in this (laughs) show it is so fucking funny honestly uh (laughs) i really love it and it's like it's the best and worst of all 
like cop procedurals and it's it's like so turned up to 11 every element that you expect to be there is there like you know uh sassy older black woman who works for the state department as a prosecutor who's always talking about this won't get me a warrant or like oh you finally made my day sheree this Uh will get me a warrant and like just like such (laughs) silly shit like that and then like there was this really well-liked uh guy on that show dr sweets for a long time and he was played by one of the guys from freaks and geeks the curly haired dude john something yeah uh and he was like i I guess there was daily John Francis Daly. Yeah. And he was fantastic. Like while he was on Bones, he was easily the best part of the whole show. And then you, if you do a little research, you find out that there were some creative differences. Like the, the showrunners say that he left the show to pursue his own projects, but then like, he's like, they fucked me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so his character fucking dies just like irreversibly, just like fucking dead on the spot. And I'm like, yeah, wow. I think the showrunners had a lot of contempt for this guy, especially because he was shitting out golden eggs on this like already very profitable show and making it like way more endearing. And the, the craziest thing about all of this is that the main character is played by Zoe Deschanel's sister. Really? Yeah. Emily Deschanel. Wow. <laughs> and she's a I terrible no actress. Idea. She's so bad. <laughs> She's easily the worst part of the show. It's the same phenomenon as Zoe in New Girl. Like, right. What, Which what's I name? also haven't seen. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, don't watch it. Um, <laughs> or maybe do. I don't know. Everybody in that show is hilarious except the main character, Jess, played by Zoe. Not funny at all. Huge buzzkill. Right. And she's just like, I've seen like scenes and right. she's always sort of like wide eyed looking around like confused at the buffoonery that's happening and then like the actual it's like she's watching the show but hates it yeah it's like (laughs) why is she the star and then there's another funny little tidbit about that uh amy was telling me she was like did you know because there was a cartoon that came out recently that had basically everybody from new girl except zoe de chanel doing the voices (laughs) and it was about like dysfunctional teachers who all work at a school together it was pretty funny i didn't like everything about it but it was all right okay and it was like super vulgar and i was like it was like very raunchy like like unexpectedly incredibly raunchy i was like this is the cast of new girl and then amy tells me she's like yeah actually zoe de chanel hates working on new girl because she thinks the rest of the cast swears too much and i was like that's it i hate this woman i cannot stand her <laughs> that's what pushed you over the edge yeah just like swears too much are you fucking joking me like <laughs> I didn't realize you were some sort of psycho Puritan. Like I just thought you were like like a a poster child for quirkiness. She's got to be Mormon or something like that. You know, maybe not that specific Scientologist something. Mm -hmm. Jehovah's witness or something. Jehovah's is a good. Yeah. Has anybody ever seen her (laughs) drink a hot beverage? (laughs) Oh wait, that's Mormons again. It doesn't matter. It's also like really scary if she's not. Like, oh yeah you know right I mean? like if and you're secular like, and you you still have that kind of psycho brain yeah Whew. according to a wikipedia she recently converted to judaism but doesn't seem to be that like religious so yeah, yeah she's just crazy <laughs> or yeah what why did she convert to judaism did she get married or something yeah yeah for her husband okay yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah so the kids well, can that's... be jewish matrilineal so gang so do you think <laughs> <laughs> so do you, so do you think that bones is worth watching like is it something that is like 
oh, if you really want like a procedural show, it's like one of the best ones. Yeah, or yes, like- yes. I I would say yes, but like I only I would only recommend it to somebody who already has good politics. Let's put it that way, <laughs> because it is such a politically charged show that if uh-huh. you don't watch it as a parody of itself and of the American criminal justice system you are not going to get that much out of it. And it it might even make you like have really fucked up ideas. Cause like there is a lot of like tokenizing treatment, especially of the middle Eastern character in the show. Dr. (laughs) Aristu. Yeah. Um, And then of course he ends up dating the like empowered black woman on the show. They can't help, but like make the minorities hate each other. It's, it's a very, like there's so many problems with this show, but I can't stop watching it and being like, look how fucked up that is. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god they fucked it up even worse uh, <laughs> it kind of sounds like how much i love x files which is fairly different and it has like in a in a way kind of interesting politics but is just about the fbi right like solving crimes but like the fantasy of an fbi agent who hates the state <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really having it both ways x files i've never actually watched the x files that might be worth oh, really? throwing on. You, sh- yeah. you absolutely should watch The X-Files. It's okay. one of my favorite shows. Um, I've been I we've I've been going through it. Uh I've talked about it on this show before, but I've been going through it during quarantine again. Uh, I've probably seen it all the way through like two or three times. Um Okay. It's like it gets bad after like season 8. Um, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like three. Honestly, eight is pretty <laughs> solid. That's a yeah. That's no, it's fantastic. Streak. It's it's like the first season is really rough. The second season is has like g- really great gems, and then it's basically fantastic for five seasons, and then Mulder leaves, and it's it's it gets bad again. Oh, Eric goes to Africa. It got back seventies go. showed. That <laughs> yeah, it's sucks. Hundred percent. You can't let that happen to your show. Like if your main no, character you is out, it. you just end it. Yeah, it's over. Right. There's actually a whole season right at the very end uh, where Scully and Mulder are gone, and it's like two different people and they were just like i never even heard about that bullshit yeah <laughs> i bet fans are just like that doesn't exist it's <laughs> barely have, yeah stop talking about it <laughs> if it's barely canon that kind of um, reminds me of like uh i think you and i have talked about this show before but lex with two oh yeah at the end. hell yeah <laughs> like the, the first season is just four terrible movies and Bad. then the second and third <laughs> season are amazing. Just yes. fucking incredible. Tearing I mean, around the universe. And then the third the third season is where it all comes to a head. Like that's it's the best. It's so it's good. it's like a surrealist. Like it's honestly really good. But it's it's all really bad. Like the, that's yeah. what's funny about Lex is that none of it is really good, but it's no. like the writing and concepts are astounding. Well, and um, like some of the set design and practical effects yeah, are incredible. Sure. <laughs> and then they're just like, sometimes like, it's just that the composite work to make the CGI and the real stuff mesh well is just so poorly done that all the work <laughs> they poured into the other elements of it just seems that much more absurd. Like right. R.L. Geiger level set design with just like community college production level like <laughs> camera work and like editing. And like costuming. But, oh my uh, God. but then the Muppets are incredible. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it's it's 
very funny. I mean, the seams of that show make uh, is part of what I love about it is that yeah. it's just like stitched together like paper mache of like some amazing stuff and some really shitty stuff. Well, it's just so ambitious. It's like one of the most unnecessarily ambitious shows of all time. <laughs> and it's so funny because like you can even see them toning down their expectations from the first to the second season by going from mm-hmm. an hour and a half to 45 <laughs> minutes per episode. That was their compromise. 45 <laughs> minutes. Like, Fine. It'll be a regular hour long show. Yeah. We'll just go down to <laughs> game of Thrones minus commercials <laughs> from what we yeah. were originally trying. And our budget is $1,000 per episode. <laughs> <laughs> it really does seem like that. Doesn't it? Like it's just bottom of the barrel casting. It's sci-fi in the 90s. Like it's <laughs> it's very funny. That show is worth watching. That yeah, um, I would recommend that to anybody. But what I watched this week was uh me and my boyfriend started uh rewatching Archer. Oh, Archer, um, really? Yeah. And I hadn't seen this show for many years. Um I watched a bunch of it um until some some season and then stopped watching it. Um but that show is weird. And I, <laughs> yeah. I've i been thinking a lot about the show because it's it's simultaneously like a very funny um, like time capsule of, you know, very early 2000s. Like ISIS clearly doesn't exist because they're right. called ISIS. Um, when when was this for, when was this show? Um, I don't know when Archer came. It, I mean, it was 2009 was the first first season okay so it's like you know post 9 11 um but like nobody's woke no one really knows (laughs) anything about like how to behave online (laughs) right well it has a lot of the energy of like the early south park seasons where it's like they hooked their wagon to a, a like a current in the zeitgeist and then they just like did it to death and they had like really fast pacing snappy writing good character development content questionable but everything else is like really really well done and and slick as hell especially when you compare it to like what was that was the guy's name who made archer because he made frisky dingo right before that and like archer is such an obvious translation of xander cruz from Mm -hmm. frisky dingo but archer is like polished and like ready for fx in all the ways that like frisky dingo was a very raw almost flash animation thing that was obviously <laughs> destined for adult swim right and our, uh, his name is adam reed that's um, right and he you know frisky dingo i i think that's very funny too um and and he was the he was the c-lab guy him and matt Thompson. oh yeah yeah and which is also a hundred percent just like what if this and you can see <laughs> What if C-Lab, but everyone's an idiot and hates each other and it's raunchy. Yeah. Um, That's funny. It's 2021 now. I mean, yeah. it's, it's C-Lab season. <laughs> yeah, we should watch C-Lab. Yeah, that would be the move. I don't know um, why I picked this random movie. I don't know why I picked Archer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, what's really interesting about it is how much research that they did. Because it's like, it's the same thing as as c-lab 2021 right where it's just like a group of characters who are all weirdly quirky and strange and you know they all hate each other and you know get into trouble with each other and it's all that sort of like interpersonal stuff and instead of an underwater science lab they're a spy agency um funnily enough a private spy like an intelligence agency yeah um 
they seem like but contractors. It, like I think they do work with or for the government sometimes, yeah, but like a lot they of times do. they don't even know who their client is. They're just like they're out just on like, a mission for hire and it's usually what's 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 crazy about the show is how much references and explicit like history is in the show like uh -huh. in the second season they start talking about like gladio and the cia <laughs> and like how like whole whole big like um pieces of the lore of the show like exist as like well when we were in the soviet union i fucked this guy because that's that's why he could be archer's dad and it's like well we were like trying to overthrow the soviet union by doing all these things uh -huh. <laughs> it's like all based off of like actual things the cia did um which is just really honestly completely went over my head when i first watched it and it right. was you know this was only 10 years ago but it was just like watching it now was just like they really hate the fucking intelligence agencies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a mockery of them, right? But it's also a mockery that will never like land with the intelligence agencies as a mockery. Like intelligence right. agent, like that's that's the big failing of Archer, I think, is that it doesn't it doesn't make Archer look bad enough. Like intelligence no. agents will see that guy and be like, that's me, bro. <laughs> I am just like Sterling. Like they love it. They it's they true. eat it up. Cause that because he's He's an idiot and an asshole, but he's also right all the time. And he's, he's constantly sort of vindicated. Like he always yeah. comes out on top, even when he like gets shot or injured or is temporarily embarrassed. It never lasts because he has main character syndrome. And if yeah. you're an American intelligence officer, <laughs> you can just act like you have main character syndrome. And like most of the it time, it won't come around to bite you in the ass. Like you might yeah. get captured by Maduro and like get paraded <laughs> around on television like an asshole. I hope you do, but... <laughs> Uh, it doesn't happen to most of them. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I think that's why it's for me. I mean, it's like, for me, that's, what's so funny and interesting about it is that it like really accurately gets at the kind of person that person. Cause Archer like also believes himself to be like a fairly like liberal, you know, <laughs> woke person who's like, yeah. I'm not racist. And like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm the one who's making sense here. And in some ways he is because they want you to sort of like, at least a little bit empathize with his character. But uh, I, it, yeah, you're right that he's not biting enough to really be like an actual or like really change anything about anybody's mind, but watching it through the lens of how intelligence works, it's surprisingly, uh, it's a it's surprisingly realistic feeling and i was yeah. really taken aback by like <laughs> these people it's not that they're they're incredibly powerful and they can do whatever they want and they do whatever they want and have no repercussions but they're also all idiots <laughs> yeah well it's also like not ever having repercussions and like never having to like own up to your actions makes you stupid <laughs> like yeah, it, it fucks up the brain. reward pathways in your brain <laughs> and makes you act like a crazy person and that mm -hmm. is, i mean archer is exactly that and he's like he you know he's the he's the fascism with a human face he's like the mm -hmm. lovable you know secret agent next door fascism <laughs> uh and there, you know, there's an obvious charm to that. And I think, you know, people people will guilt themselves. They'll be like, oh, I watch the wrong media. What if this is making <laughs> me like the United States too much? It's like you live in the entertainment capital of the world. You cannot <laughs> escape the gravitational well 
of American <laughs> propaganda. Just watch something with a critical eye. You'll be fine. Like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. I mean, it's family I, guy or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, the thing that I'm most sort of cringing at in the Archer show is like the extremely Reddit sense of humor that it has. Oh, like it really half of is. the time, like because some of the times the the like um, there's a lot of like you were talking about South Park. There's a lot of like. Um, like clever writing bits where it'll overlap from one scene to the other, where they finish each other's sentences and stuff. Yeah. But they also are doing that constant repeating of jokes that like, they'll just say the word Nope in a funny way for like three seasons. And it's like <laughs> grating as hell. Uh, oh, but we have... loved that shit when it first came out. It's so funny. Oh, like yeah. the things that make it <laughs> terrible now are the things that made it so popular when it first happened because like when i yeah. was in high school like when archer was coming out i i was like this is the funniest shit i it have is. ever seen <laughs> like i was just completely taken in by the pacing and like the timeliness of it like the mm -hmm. the characters in archer they don't talk the way people talked back then but they talk in like an elevated caricature of the way people talked back then and they're like how they wanted to talk yeah they the characters on archer sound how you sound to yourself in the shower thinking up comebacks <laughs> to a conversation that happened earlier that day. Like yeah, that's, exactly. that's like the beauty of it and the satisfaction of the, the pacing and the writing in Archer. And then constantly, and what's so smart about it is they constantly subvert that too, where Archer will be like, I had something for this, you know, yeah. and they'll just like be like, Oh shit, that was good. Or they like constantly are, like commenting on their zingers. <laughs> well, that was um, always the beauty of like C Lab, Frisky Day. I think there's a through line through everything he's worked on of just having yeah. like a really keen sense of anti humor. Because you think mm -hmm. about like the early adult swim days, C Lab was far and away the best at that. Like yeah. even Aqua Teen so Hunger funny. Force could not really touch the poignance of the anti humor in. C lab like aqua teen had it like they they had the shotgun effect like they they just turned it up and turned it up and raised the intensity constantly but there's like a subtlety and like um it's almost like when when they're writing these shows they're trying to say like we're we are expressing that we know how you think the the audience right. the viewer it's mm -hmm. like a really they're trying to make a connection with you in a way that something truly dadaist like aqua teen is definitely not aqua teen doesn't care if you relate to it <laughs> yeah it's trying to confound you right exactly. <laughs> whereas, whereas something like something like c lab is is trying to be in your brain and be ahead of you and sort of like prove that it's smarter yeah it's like playing games with it's like the two different ways to play games with somebody like get ahead of them and trick them and subvert their expectations that way or just go full-on crazy mode and just mm -hmm. like have dana snyder yelling like I don't have a room and just like have that be your jokes, uh, which, which is always fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always fun. So I don't, I've been, uh, I've been enjoying it and I, and I think that it's a really interesting sort of time capsule to, to, to revisit. Um, and I'm not surprised that it's cringy. I'm very surprised that it's cringe in a very different way than I thought it was going to be. And, kind of uh kind of grounded in its in its political point of view way more than i thought it was going to be so it's pretty interesting yeah it's like it's like brainy cringe so like yeah, it's the exactly. smart cringe <laughs> uh okay so let's get into the movie 
<laughs> okay. This week, we watched Rat Race, directed by Jerry Zucker uh, from 2001. As we said before, this was released, what, like a month or two before? Three weeks. Three weeks <laughs> before 9-11. <laughs> Three weeks before it 9-11. It was still in theaters while 9-11 was happening. <laughs> <laughs> It's really hard to remember that because I, my re- my recollection of this movie is mostly like a poster, like okay. being like, oh, look at all these people that are in this movie. This looks like it might be funny. And then not hearing about it until like VHS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I never, still... I, I never saw it till it was available in my local blockbuster for sure. Okay. I remember wanting to see it. So, um, but I, so I, I, you suggested we watch this as, as uh, we said offline, I feel like maybe we talked about this uh, on the last episode, which was banked. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently I had a conversation about this and I haven't listened to that episode. So listener, you will be more informed on my opinion than I am. Uh, but I finally watched it. I feel like uh, people uh, will have wanted to be in on this conversation, but you know, Hey, if you have a baby, you don't get to have a conversation <laughs> about the show. Uh, <laughs> so John picked it because he loved it. And we've talked about this basically since we've known each other. Uh, yes. As we both really love these early 2000s movies, Mystery Men. And, um, but I'd never seen Rat Race. Um, and I've always wanted to. Um, I mean, so I we, was like buzzing. I was buzzing to watch this film for this. <laughs> like when, when you hit me up earlier this week and you were like, what film do you want to watch? And I was like, well, we could watch, you know, something, you know, like really cool and good. Or we could just watch a banger like Mystery Men or Rat Race. <laughs> a classic. <laughs> a classic. Said, yeah. yeah, that's true. I did say a classic. <laughs> and so you were like, well, I haven't seen Rat Race. And I was just like, Rat Race it is. And then for the next, <laughs> like I didn't even watch it the next day. I was like, I'm going to watch it the morning before we podcast. But the last two days while I've been driving to work, I've been singing the theme song from Rat Race in my car. And like, I've been singing it all day uh, and I'd only heard it the one time. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. And then like, so the like weird ska theme song, I love mm-hmm. the fact that like maybe 20 or 30 minutes into the movie, Boom, they hit you with Who Let the Dogs Out. Classic. That is so powerful. I love that so much. Like, what what a way to transport you back to a certain time if it you really watch was. this movie. Everything about this movie, like what we've been talking about, time capsules, this whole episode. But goddamn, it's like the lime green bubble CGI text on the like blue sky background. Uh, with all the, oh, the little yeah. cutouts of the different actors. Oh, the intro sequence? That moment where they're like all the cutouts of like Whoopi Goldberg and John Cleese are like <laughs> dancing and stuff. And then they yeah. like crossfade it into the crowd of people in the casino. And it's yeah. so disorienting. You're like, that is a weird <laughs> choice as a director. It's so bizarre. I was like, wait, what is <laughs> what is happening? And then that's never, re- that's just a stylistic choice. It's never revisited or anything. No, yeah, there's um, nothing like that is ever revisited. Because nothing in this movie ever repeats there's no there's no like theme or repetition there's nothing it's just a wild ride from incident to incident because like it opens and they're just like we have so many fucking celebrities to show you here is 25 (laughs) minutes of just vignettes from group Uh to group like here's Whoopi Goldberg meeting her daughter here's Seth Green and his weird brother with a 
piercing in his tongue. Uh, should not be able to talk <laughs> oh, wait, for wait, some there, reason. There is one joke that they visit twice. Gloria Allred, the lawyer lady who is wearing all red. She oh, happens yeah. two different times. <laughs> once at the very beginning of the movie and once when Mr. Bean meets up with Newman from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's weird saying uh, that shit, but like this movie really is just like famous people from '90s TV smashing yeah. heads into each other. Just all, let's all get together and hang out and and do a weird uh, road trip movie. So let's, <laughs> let me quickly um, run down the premise, which will hopefully take like three seconds. Um, a bunch of people in a casino for random reasons, totally disparate reasons. They're in Las Vegas. They all get invited generally through finding a coin like in a in a um in a uh what do you call those one arm oh yeah the the slot machines it's like the the casino version of the willy wonka golden ticket exactly yes they all win a golden ticket it's not set up they just all win a golden coin and they go up to they're all invited to a private suite where John Cleese explains to them that he's an incredibly rich boy and he's giving away $2 million. He's put $2 million in a locker, in a train, right? Like a bus station. Yeah, like a bus in, stop slash train station. In some small town in New Mexico. Silver the, Springs, New Mexico. There you go. Silver Spring. And, and whoever gets there first just wins $2 million. And that's... And then he's like, go. And they're like, I don't know what you mean. And like everyone's <laughs> sort of con- confused. And uh, Mr. Bean is like, is the first one to get it. And he's like, oh, it's a race. Uh, <laughs> if we get there first, we get $2 million. And so slowly sort of everyone is like, I'm not. This was funny because I wasn't actually expecting there to be as much like realism in the sense where everyone was like, I don't know. I. Why I've got stuff to do in my life. That was like, that's the crazy thing. Cause like so much of this movie is just cartoon moments carried out by real actors. Right. But there is this moment right after John Cleese explains the premise of this race to them where they're all standing in the hallway and they all seem like real people on their vacation, (laughs) like ready to go back to their lives. Like, cause, cause even, even all we've seen of them before is goofy, rubbery, like, uh, silly vignettes where they're, you know, meeting their mom for the first time be- because of a psychic or, you know, the Jewish family who's like comically <laughs> Jewish and John Lovitz's kids like <laughs> bouncing on the bed back and forth until they eventually collide in midair. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, funny. It's a cartoon. And then and then all of a sudden there's this moment where they they find out the premise of the movie that they're in and they're like do we really want to do this? Like, is that, <laughs> do we really care? Do we think that this is worth doing? Do we believe this guy? All of the sort of like normal questions a normal person would have. And then you're sort of who I thought was kind of going to be the main character, but there really isn't a main character. Brecken Meyer <laughs> is basically just like, no, fuck this. I, I don't, I've got stuff. What's I'm a high powered lawyer from Chicago. That's I can go right. back to my thing. But then he falls in love with Amy Smart because they're reading the same book and she's a helicopter pilot and all this stuff happens that results in him digging out the key that he got from a trash can. But here's the thing about Breck and Meyer and Amy Smart. Even though they are kind of the quasi main characters in this show, at least like the quasi main character and the obvious love interest, they yeah. play such a small role 
in everything that happens. It's kind of genius because they're also the most forgettable people in the show. Like Breckenmeyer looks yeah. like any white dude from like Will and Grace, <laughs> Third Rock from the Sun, uh, Sex in the City, like any any of those shows. Like he he probably yeah, was just, in all of just them. Just shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> newsroom he's in all of those shows <laughs> and amy smart is just like uh knock off what's her face from friends right like she's uh jennifer anderson yeah basically knock off jennifer aniston it's like it's so transparent but then there's all of these characters like Whoopi goldberg is a treasure like i forget this because she's on the view now and there's all this shit that comes with that but there, there was a long right. time when like it was really easy to think Whoopi goldberg was so fucking awesome like she's she has no amazing. reason not to <laughs> she's a fantastic actress she's very incredibly funny she's she's great in dramatic roles she is underrated i would say even though she's probably one of the most famous people in the world yeah um well, you know yeah. who's underrated? You know who didn't even get fucking billed in this movie? Kathy Bates. And that I is I know, that's criminal. so weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> she so she had weird. already been like a major star for like decades, right? Yeah. By the time this came out. I mean, Misery was the 70s. Like, she's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, Fried Green Tomatoes was before mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's just like in it for a second. Uh, I don't, yeah, I guess it's, so this movie kind of, is I Jerry Zucker is um of Zucker Brothers fame. Mm -hmm. Um, he did Airplane with his brother. Oh um, damn! He did um, you know, let me think. Top Secret, the uh, the Kentucky Fried movie was the first movie they wrote together. Um, and then obviously Naked Gun from the Files of the Police Squad. Okay. Um, and uh, but then he kind of went on to so their lives kind of take a weird path. Uh, they split up and basically do totally different thing. He directed Ghost, you know, with Whoopi Goldberg and, mm -hmm. and Demi Moore and one, I think, was nominated for Academy Award. Um, yeah, well, it was a uh, it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, and so. He kind of got, and then he did First Night. Do you remember that? No, I don't <laughs> with, think uh, I remember that. With Sean Connery, which is also sort of a serious, it, I think it was a successful movie, um, but nobody really cares about it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but then after that, he, uh, he did Rat Race. So he kind of, this was kind of going back to his sort of roots as like doing a very weird comedy with a ton of people in it that was just a bunch of cameos and clearly a bunch of people he had just gotten to know and liked, but his brother, David Zucker, who also did airplane and, and Kentucky fried movie and, and top secret went and start doing like the scary movies and, um, um, and then started becoming a weird, like MAGA guy. Oh, uh, uh weird. Yeah, he well, he did all the Naked Guns. He directed all the Naked Guns by himself and then did all the scary movies and then did a movie called An American Carol, which is like a fake Michael Moore has like is visited by George Washington and shown 9-11 and <laughs> he like oh, becomes this what? weird I remember guy. hearing about that when that came out. That's David Zucker? Are you fucking yeah. joking me? <laughs> yeah. Oh so it's God. really weird. It doesn't seem like they like really work together anymore. 
Uh, well, I wouldn't work with my year. weird MAGA older brother. I mean, like, I guess now is as good a time as any to address the politics of rat race, which are like weirdly kind of good. It's yeah. sort of a, <laughs> a romp through all of the most heightened contradictions of capitalism. Like John Cleese, the incredibly rich billionaire and his whole cohort of like dudes betting on things, including a guy who's obviously supposed to be a stand in for Saudi oil money. Um, right. are like betting like on Indian. <laughs> yeah, are like they're like betting on which waitress can like stay hanging from the curtain rods the longest, and like the one <laughs> the one with the with the sex worker who comes in and they have their lawyer get a quote on how much it would cost to sit in a jacuzzi filled with Pepto Bismol, and he would <laughs> clip her toes, and I'm like the 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 way that they illustrate that like this being rich, this being super rich is Uh a pathology is like is like a a problem with your brain that takes on a life (laughs) of its own and you're like good broken and and insane right so so to explain uh in the movie the people who set up this race during the race so so the rest of the movie i mean it would take you know the the length of the movie to explain everything that happened but the rest (laughs) of the movie is just vignettes of each of the six, I guess, teams, which some right. of them are teams, some of them is a single person, um, the six teams uh, getting to uh, the the thing. So they get into all sorts of hijinks and all almost die. Lots of people are just murdered and it's a joke and it's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, like the, and, the fucking guy who, who tries to steal Seth Green and his brother's key just like ends yeah. up hanging from a cow, hanging from a hot air balloon. And like that is just never resolved. Like that guy probably just dies eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you have to assume that like everyone just like stumbles away and is like covered in smoke, like a like Wiley e. Coyote or right, whatever. Right. Uh, well, that was like uh, when fucking when Seth Green and his brother were doing the whole like hot air balloon slash car hijinks chasing after the key and they both end up in a lake i'm like oh a lake how convenient (laughs) yeah luckily there was water there so they don't immediately but whoopi goldberg uh and her daughter or her yeah her daughter uh don't buy a squirrel from kathy bates and kathy bates sends them off of a cliff on purpose um (laughs) into a graveyard of cars by the way (laughs) where there's literal skeletons where other people have died for not purchasing a squirrel it's bonkers it's like it's so ridiculously put together because they only survive (laughs) that by stumbling into a tent adjacent to a bunch of scientists who are trying to break the land speed record like everything is just like deus ex machina plot Uh armor like fucking like uh for instance like one of the most memorable parts of the movie when john lovitz and his family go to the klaus barbie museum and he (laughs) ends up who's a very famous nazi by the way because they think they're going to the barbie doll museum (laughs) and he ends up with uh ava braun's lipstick on the dashboard which ends up on his face when his head smacks in the dashboard and he burns his mouth with a cigarette lighter and yeah. then he ends up in front of some World War II veterans through a car crash. One of them <laughs> shoots at him. And then like three scenes in the movie later, he's shown again, fine, never explained how they got away from these <laughs> World War II vets, and he can talk normal again. Right. Oh, also, just to be clear, the reason he couldn't talk 
normal so he could be doing a Hitler impression in yeah, front of a bunch of world, American World War II debates. His impression <laughs> of like trying to make having a burned tongue sound like German is so transparently not how having a burned tongue would sound at <laughs> would all. Be, yeah. no, because he's just it, sounding German. <laughs> and it's heightened. It's heightened by the fact that there is a character in this movie whose entire caveat, his entire premise is that he cannot talk properly because he has an infected tongue from a self-inflicted <laughs> piercing. <laughs> right which is not very different that's a different type of uh tongue problem it is and it doesn't sound like german it sounds like that guy <laughs> what's with jerry zucker and having like problems with tongues huh is this kind I of like know. a kind of a <laughs> that guy from from disney and feet situation what's that guy that's, that's super creepy you know <laughs> no there, there's a there was a disney producer oh, Dan, from, uh, yeah what the fuck Simmons? is his name I don't give a shit. He's a creep, though. The guy who made iCarly, I think. (laughs) Uh, Fuck that guy. Um, So, so like we like as we're describing, insane shit happens in this movie, and it's all in the service of just being slapstick funny. But during that, during those vignettes and that the race, we cut back to the group of insanely rich people. And they are just doing the most bizarre stuff. This part, I I kept having to rewind the movie because it moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what am I looking? And they don't, to be to be fair, they don't really set anything. Like, it's not really clear who the group of people he's with are ever. Right. Like, you're just sort of a, supposed to assume they're all rich people. They, like, come out from hiding. They were also hiding in the room. Well, especially um, the John Cleese bits, like the parts where he's featured, seem to have like a very John Cleese pacing, where they hit you with the weirdest part of the scene first, and then all the exposition comes in the form of jokes. Which, yes. if you don't already, like if you haven't seen the movie before, that's very disorienting, and it's so hard to know what's going on sometimes. <laughs> I was so confused until the 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 scene with the sex worker, um, when so. this is i think the best illustrative thing of what happens they get their dumb um like bodyguard guy was he an accountant or a bodyguard i think he's their lawyer technically yeah they get their lawyer who they they refer to him have have being born without a personality um yeah which is a joke that's never explained yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's just like doesn't have any morals or whatever um he hires a uh uh, a sex worker and she's like let's get it on or whatever and he's like okay here's what i want and he starts explaining to her that he wants to wear a sailor hat and get in the bathtub and have of of pepto-bismol or something and have her shave his ass and <laughs> she's like what and he explains it all again and she's like okay he's like how much would that cost and she's like uh, I guess like three thousand dollars, and then everyone comes out from behind the curtains and like <laughs> under the bed and stuff, and is like, "Yay, you win!" Because you said twenty eight hundred dollars. So you find out that they were betting on, and then the, first of all, the scene cuts there. So if you yeah. weren't paying attention, it takes a second to, for it to sink in that what had happened is they <laughs> they decided on a list of things to ask a sex worker and then bet on how much that would cost and made that guy do it. (laughs) And they're constantly showing you like little hints of things going like, it's like this movie has so many ideas in it that in order to cram every fucking joke that they wanted to get into the running time of the film, it has to be like 
edited at breakneck speed. Like there is yeah. no time to let anything <laughs> sink in because there's no laugh track or anything. I think we were in the post laugh track era handily by this point. And right. so that's also a movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a fucking joke. And then they just like, there's no letting it hang. There's no waiting for a response. There's no like deadpan anything. They just move to the next joke. And it's it's crazy to me that they do that because it's a long movie. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. It is weirdly long for this type of movie. Like with a with a really slapstick goofball comedy, you're usually looking at a tight 90. Right. But this movie goes on, but never really drags because it's just like you're just being thrown different ideas and like constant because you have to get six different teams getting to where they're going. And then it's just like no one has a similar problem. Everyone has like completely different insane problems. Well, and they don't cross each other's paths until very late in the film. Like mm-hmm. it's not you're it's not till you're almost an hour and a half in that like the cow attached to the hot air balloon runs into <laughs> the bus that Cuba Gooding Jr. is. We haven't even talked about Cuba Gooding Jr. yet. Oh yeah. That's how much shit the there is in this movie. <laughs> He's like a disgraced NFL a uh, referee who made a bad call and there, that's like yeah. that would be enough like cuba gooding jr's character could have had a whole movie just about him yeah <laughs> and it, it would have been sufficient you could have had any well not any but most of these people could have had like they could have focused on them and it made it like a reasonable you know hour and a half little funny movie but shoving all of them into the one movie <laughs> is uh it's overwhelming to say the least yeah well here it, let's see if we agree on something because i want to ask you this what do you okay. think the weakest part of that movie was like the weakest sequence the weakest vignette um let's see oh, i didn't i haven't haven't considered that because well to me, it's probably going to gonna me, be the one i can't remember so who right. is it? it's lovitz whoopi goldberg Breckenmeyer. Cuba Gooding Jr., Mr. Bean, and then who's the other one? Oh, Seth Green and Seth and, Green uh, and him, yeah. Um, I thought that the Seth Green stuff was probably the least funny, um, right? And and Mr. Bean was also the least funny. Mr. Bean was well. Mr. Bean, I'm of two minds about because he was basically just the character Mr. Bean, but Italian, which is <laughs> such a funny choice to just be like, what if it was Italian Mr. Bean? What I kind of <laughs> love it. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, he's he's like funny when he's on screen sometimes. Uh yeah, I do. I do think like when he's like, but he's so childish. I think that like, yeah. and not you know, watching it well into my thirties now, I, I think I would have thought it was very funny uh, when I was young, and it was just sort of like, oh yeah, I get it. He's a goofy guy. Well, the, the biggest one for me was when I was young. I thought this was so badass, but now I really don't care for it. Was the helicopter scene where it's oh, yeah. like <laughs> fucking find the cheating boyfriend. This this helicopter pilot does a bunch of incredibly improbable things and throws away her entire career for no reason uh and and in a way that is not related to any other plot elements like it only exists to stop breckenmeyer from being closer to the finish line and like deepen his romantic entanglement with this woman Mm -hmm. and i watching it this morning i was just cringing the entire time i was like this is so poorly put together (laughs) they literally should have just like gotten shot down by like a fucking (laughs) sovereign citizen whose land they were flying (laughs) over or something like that would have been so much better 
yeah, most of the, you're right. The Breckenmeyer and Amy Smart stuff is definitely the weakest link in the movie because it's just they're like normal ass people. But I will say that I was wildly impressed with the helicopter stunt because oh, like, the driving was incredible. I don't. It's, it's amazing. It's not an I, action movie. Why is there this high <laughs> octane helicopter? Like I'm watching it and the camera is like right on the ground and the helicopter is flying. It's going like seventy or eighty miles an hour and the the bottom like legs. I don't even know what they're called on a helicopter. Uh, the, like, like the landing fins thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're like a, maybe a few inches to a foot off the ground, and I'm like, that's got to be incredibly dangerous. It's so dangerous, and you can see like the helicopter is like barely above the street signs on yeah. the street, and it's not CGI. Like it's not trick photography. No, like they but, clearly really did. <laughs> but they, the, the part that let me know that there was no trick photography and that it was like real was that the whole helicopter scene was filmed around a very recently built development that was oh, surrounded yeah. by fucking nothing. Like a yeah. rectangular <laughs> section of houses with a road winding in between. It's all verdant and green, like perfectly fresh built. And then around it, just like scorched barren New Mexican wasteland. <laughs> I love that too, because like they're in like a, they're like the, the, the script clearly called for them to be in like a nice house that she, cause she's a pilot right? and to be in a pool, but like they couldn't figure out how to do that in a real neighborhood that was finished. So they like have a <laughs> doughboy above ground pool <laughs> where they're just like <laughs> on the, on the incredibly manicured lawn. It looks so cheesy. Like they yeah. just were like, Oh, well somebody go buy a pool. <laughs> truly, truly the, the top two least believable things about this movie were that somebody would take that much care of their lawn and then put an above ground pool in the middle of yeah. it. And also that two people could ever show that much affection to one another in an above ground pool the yeah, worst possible like, place to be romantic <laughs> like there's no stairs or walls like to like recline <laughs> on they're just like in the middle of the <laughs> yeah they're just it's also like obviously set up for the camera and for yeah. nothing else i had a lot of moments and this never happened to me when i was watching movies around the time that this came out sure, but watching this kids. today i had so many moments where i was like what it must be like to be the actors in this scene and being like <laughs> do it again like, oh no i have to look incredibly shut like that the scene where seth green and his brother are scrambling to get out of the rental car before a monster truck lands on it uh yeah just like plot moving at simpsons level speed at this point <laughs> uh, and they are like scrambling for and for a really long shot like there's a very long slowed uh -huh. down shot it's maybe like 30 45 seconds long of them scrambling to get out of this and i'm like i bet they had to film that like a hundred times i bet there was a whole day where seth green and this guy with a tongue piercing just pretended <laughs> to try to get out of a car and that was their job i'm sure i'm sure they're like that part must have been like cgi with the the, the or or the, well, with just the truck filmed separately the yeah it's just green screened i i constantly yeah, yeah. was trying to find the green screen line but that mm -hmm. like that was like one of my big missions watching this like what's in the foreground what's in the <laughs> it's background? really well done yeah it was pretty impressive um okay so all of this shit happens um and then at the very end of the movie um <laughs> They basically all get to the locker at the exact same time. Mr. Bean gets there at first, but he falls asleep. It's mentioned that he's a narcoleptic for no reason. Uh, 
which means he literally falls asleep while standing. So he gets there, but he falls asleep and then everyone else gets there exactly at the same time. And then the sex worker and the lawyer have taken the money and run because they're like, fuck these rich people. I don't care. Um, And then then they get into a bus to chase after. So like all of the the people who got in in john cleese's like meeting at the beginning of the movie are all reunited and they steal a bus together because how else do you bond with your friends and right <laughs> like and then because cuba gooding jr was driving a bus earlier he drives the bus again and then the the hardware store guy makes another appearance oh he does get addressed again because he sees the bag of money and he tries to steal it but he attaches it to the hot air balloon but he doesn't like remember to hold onto the rope or something. And so then <laughs> oh, it's just yeah. like a group of people chasing this hot air balloon, carrying a satchel of like $2 million and they chase it into an amphitheater, but you don't know it's an amphitheater because yep. it's dark and they're all on the stage, like trying to grab it. And then the lights come on and smash mouth starts to try to play a song. <laughs> um, and they're like yeah. in front of like thousands of people. Like, how did you not realize? (laughs) Yeah, they just were like, oh, no, my bag of money. And then they're on stage. (laughs) And this kind of, this is one of, really, it culminates in the most Looney Tunes shit of just like, what if they somehow run onto a, into a concert where probably what looks like, I don't know, maybe like 10,000 people. Like, it's so many people. Um, and they just like, oh, uh oh, I guess we're on stage now. <laughs> and then they um, cave to peer pressure and give away right, all their so, money to the charity that's hosting the show, I guess. Yeah, it's some kind of like live aid thing where but for, ch- but for children, for hungry children, for hungry they, children. They, they had to pick something that politically would be so unobjectionable that they could justify a bunch of strangers who, and it's only, you're only reminded at this point, an hour and 45 minutes into the movie, that this movie takes place across the time span of one day. (laughs) Hours. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're only, you're only like, yeah, like eight or 10 hours from where you were at, at the beginning of the movie, which is so (laughs) funny. Like, yeah, it's nighttime now. So uh, uh, all of this stuff is that everyone has nearly died or, really should be dead most you know mostly uh and now they're on stage with smash mouth and they're raising money for hungry children i guess and uh this was the part that i i thought was so goofy because it's like well i mean because i thought they were going to split it like they they basically all decide like we're going to split it right like and that seems like a good ending and i thought it was just going to be well they um you know, they they celebrate on stage with Smash Mouth and they all have $100,000 or whatever and they take <laughs> it from... No, but they give it all to some random charity. I just thought it was so weird because it's like, why would you give it to charity? Yeah. Couldn't well, you and do it's something also funny, better? Like Seth Green and his brother don't want to give it to charity, but then Seth Green's brother sees the girl who flashed him on the way into town Which at the show. 
completely destroy their car. Yeah. yeah and, and so then through like the power of having seen some titties, he comes around <laughs> to the idea of giving his money over. And then he convinces Seth Green to quote unquote, do it for mom, who is apparently looking at them from up in heaven. And it's like, it, it's she such been, a, ever been mentioned in the whole movie? Never. It's never. It's supposed to be like the, this big revelation that that's like, oh, that's why they're scumbags. Their mom died. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, and then Brecken Meyer earns his earns his main character card by at the end being the guy who's like, oh, because oh, by the way, uh, John Cleese and all of his cronies have shown up because they can't figure out what's happening at the end of their little gambling game because they're gambling on who's going to get the money first. Right, and they're all in the wings of the amphitheater <laughs> at this <laughs> Smash Mouth concert. And Brecken Meyer points at him and he's like, I'd like to thank, you know, whatever Donald Sinclair or whatever bullshit name they gave him uh, uh -huh. because he's promised to match all the donations that you raised tonight. And then you see like the donation counter going up and these million, like billionaires or whatever, like despairing at their money that they're losing. But it's like, yeah, they're just crying. <laughs> they didn't agree to that. Like if they're really <laughs> that skinny of an old businessman, they can just be like, no, I'm not paying that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, but no, they're just crying because they've been owned and <laughs> and they're losing $16 million <laughs> of their money instead of, I guess, losing it to their friends because they were going to bet on, they had yeah. some sort of bet going on. Well, and it's been like a reveal. The thing. There's at one point the, the like Saudi guy is like, despairing because they found out Mr. Bean is a narcoleptic and he says I bet two million on him and I'm like two million is the whole cash prize <laughs> like yeah. these these rich guys like the two million that they were giving us fucking chumps to race is like right. nothing to them that's like walking around money yeah they don't care this is betting money yeah but then they're supposed to like be like furious that they're matching 16 million at the end <laughs> of the movie. And I'm like, well, this, you know, the, the politics of it were like pretty good for a Hollywood movie, but ultimately incredibly liberal in the way that everything concluded. Yeah, unfortunately, because the movie definitely thinks that it's one of those things where it's like money isn't that important. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, that's the other weird lesson is like that these people wouldn't even like throw a few bands in their pocket just to keep for like, you don't have to give the whole 2 million over or whatever your yeah. cut is like, you know, 300,000 all day, almost dying. Like maybe keep a thousand bucks or a couple thousand five grand, <laughs> like throw five yeah. grand in your waistband before you throw the rest of the money in the sack that wasn't on stage until suddenly two million dollars was to be had yeah <laughs> that and was smash mouth is just like you're giving that to us yeah bring out <laughs> the money babies need the food <laughs> I, I love that they got strong-armed into charity by smash mouth yeah. that like <laughs> that has so many echoes in the present day thinking about like how people go to bat for guy fieri like not 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 that it's wrong to go to bat for guy fieri he seems like a great guy but like yeah. they always bring up his charities and it's like smash mouth is like playing out their guy fieri fantasy in this sure. movie and the other thing i like about this was in previous movies like two years earlier as we've mentioned mystery men already was the music video for all-star basically that's right so they had to up the game and actually have smash mouth in, in the movie, the movie. <laughs> which makes me wonder does the lead singer of smash mouth now have a screen actors guild card that's a question that i <laughs> oh, need yeah. answered well he's not only like in it in the background he has like lines and is yes. like acting and he has a speaking like, role yes yeah he has multiple lines he's he's saying like come on guys give it over to charity we and, 
<laughs> I don't know how much of their money that they're getting paid they're giving to charity, but uh, he really wants them to. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Smash Mouth has continued to be a very sort of like socially liberal type of goofball guys. Uh, so it only makes sense that they'd go from here three months or three weeks before 9-11 <laughs> being like, what we need to do is feed the children. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and that's, that's, the that's what smash mouth actually means is that they're gonna smash food into the children's <laughs> mouth <laughs> right into your fucking hole <laughs> uh yeah so that's rat race um it's a crazy movie i've never seen i i feel like i've never really seen a movie like like it it kind of is reminiscent of like it's a mad 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 world mm-hmm. um but not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's much better than that uh, in that it's actually funny. It's um, a weirdly that- good movie. Like, I feel like it has like a, what, a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. And the critics hated it. The critics yeah, I, fucking loathed this movie. It was not, a, it was critically very panned is, yes. is what I remember. But don't listen to them. It's so good. <laughs> like f- food critics would tell you not to eat ramen with a hard-boiled egg in it. But ramen with a hard-boiled egg in it is a delicious meal for any night of the it's week. Fantastic! Why would you? Who, who would? Who would say such a thing? <laughs> Show them to me. Fuck them. Um, yeah. No. I. I. Uh, it was interesting because I hadn't seen this movie like at all. I. I knew basically what it was about, mm-hmm. uh, but. You know, even us telling you what it's about is sort of not really the point because most of the joy of this movie is kind of not knowing what's going to happen and just the stupidest, funniest thing happening. <laughs> um, like, you know, I'm prairie dogging it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't. You would never have expected going to the Barbie Museum to <laughs> result in, uh, you know, a Jewish father uh, doing a Hitler salute in front of World War II veterans. But that's how this movie is. Um, it's very silly. I, I will say that there are some, uh, I guess, uh, edgy, uh, not no longer socially politically correct stuff in this movie. I think that there yeah. is some r words and there's some uh there's certainly some transphobia transphobic jokes yeah Uh, although i gotta say unfortunately the transphobia is intermingled into one of the best parts of the movie which is cuba gooding (laughs) jr driving a bus full of uh, i love lucy impersonators which is like when they all say ah together every time something bad happens that shoots dopamine through my brain like nothing else (laughs) There's a there's a single shot in the movie um, where all of the Lucys are standing in front of an overturned bus and just doing the Lucy cry all at once, <laughs> and it, it 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 kind of scared me. Like there was this sense that I was watching like a Matthew Barney film because <laughs> it's like shot at golden hour and like the sun mm-hmm. is like going down below the uh, the the horizon line and then it's just like identical women just crying (laughs) uh it's fucking insane that's the other Um, crazy thing about this movie isn't it is that all the shots are time of day appropriate so you are taken on a journey from like the brunch hour yeah right into like nighttime like the evening that's so weird i hadn't even thought about that while i was watching it (laughs) yeah it's all very well like 
you know, script souped. Like mm-hmm. they really made sure they were getting the right time of day. It's a really well done movie. And I think it doesn't have the same exact type of humor as something like airplane or, or top secret. And that it's not explicitly a parody and the, it's not like puns, you know, there's not a lot of pun jokes. Right. Um, like don't call me Shirley or whatever. Um, <laughs> But uh, oh, there's one. <laughs> we are hauling ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's what there it, but it has very much the same vibe. Like to me, that this, mm-hmm. I definitely felt that there was a very similar. T- and I, I don't think I was really expecting that. I was expecting more of a, of a '90s out cold. You know, like okay. uh, you know, sort of road trip move or euro trip kind of romp uh and it is kind of that inspired like texturally that there's a lot of that in it but i think at its heart it's a it's an insane looney tunes uh airplane style style movie which was very happy i I was very happy that it was more on that end because it made me laugh a lot it's a movie that is a lot smarter than it's trying to be. I like to think of it that way. Like it's trying to be like a dumb fun movie, but there's a lot of moments in it where you're like, Oh, that was actually pretty clever. Or like the way, like if you're thinking about it, especially from a a movie making perspective, um, it's a, it's pretty impressive. It's a pretty impressive feat of filmmaking. It kind of reminded me, uh, and and this movie came out much later, but it reminded me of another underrated movie, uh, Girls Trip. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Uh, is that good? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll watch that. Oh, I love Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. It's it's very similar in that it's a absolutely dumbass, like, lowest common denominator premise. uh, (laughs) And the only purpose is to get people doing the most insane shit possible. And it just happens to be really, really smartly written jokes that are smart in the dumbest way possible. You know, it's just like incredibly stupid, but you would have never thought of it. And like the way it comes together is really clever and makes you laugh. So, yeah, I I thought it was very funny. (laughs) Uh, I think it holds up. I mean, I, I, I have no nostalgia for this movie and I thought it was very, very delightful. Hell yeah. So. And you would recommend it too, I assume. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd recommend Rat Race to to anybody who wants to kill almost two hours of their day, <laughs> and not least of all because it's available in relatively low quality, completely for free on YouTube. So check it out. <laughs> really, you can just watch it on YouTube. <laughs> I watched it on YouTube this morning. Yeah, I didn't pay a goddamn thing for it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, definitely shut this uh, episode off and watch Rat Race. Uh, so we both recommend it. Um, sorry to probably Alex Patak and Jeremy for not getting to talk about this. Um, maybe we'll just do a redux sometime. Um, but thanks John for coming on and talking and helping me host this episode. Absolutely. Uh, Plug your shit, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you already know about BP Bledis because this is one of Bryn's shows, but I have another podcast called work stoppage that is like a current events and news podcast that it pretty much explicitly covers labor issues. I also stream sometimes on twitch.tv slash Pod, and I've recently started making uh, gameplay slash meme videos on my YouTube channel, which is just my full name, John Paul Zygterman. So Hell give that yeah. a Which is very funny. I loved the blue. Uh, Thank you. The Pokemon blue one. <laughs> uh, so watch that. Uh, you can follow me at Kinematography. You can follow Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. You know where Jeremy lives, but follow John at Facebook Villain on Twitter. Um, I have another show called BB Bledis, as I usually say. Uh, 
I stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dullcare. Uh, you should go to patreon.com slash generation loss and uh, check out our Patreon where you can find bonus content where we make every week, um, you know, usually movie news and us sticking around and talking about weird stuff. It's a good time. Uh, and you get the access to the Discord, which we will see you there. Bye. It's a race. <laughs> <laughs> Race. A rat race.